0: So guys, men, uh, have you ever asked a woman when she's due, but she wasn't? <laughs> I, uh, uh, I think the average guy does this exactly one time. Uh, but, but here's the thing. I'm so fearful of not even being average that I've never done it. I, I, I even sometimes struggled asking my wife if she was pregnant, even though I knew she was pregnant. Uh, it's, it's that bad. It, actually, my, my wife and I, we have this... We have this code, and I don't know if you guys, if other men, if you guys have this this code, but if we're out for dinner with another couple and uh, me and my big mouth start running away, uh, my wife will like, she'll grab my leg and just give it a good squeeze. And and I'm sure your wives out there are like, yeah, we we all do that. and, and that's just like that code for me. Like, okay, Jason, stop. Your mouth is running away. You're gonna get yourself in trouble. But to be honest, there's definitely been a few times where um, she's nearly drawn blood because uh, my mouth sometimes runs away. Uh, and, and I think we we all have moments like this, right? We we all have moments where once our words are out there, like they're out there. And, and the the good news is though that that God gave us He gave us this button, right? The the pause button. We we can like we can stop. We can Okay, I, but I think if, if we we're really all honest, we really would all really love to have that button, right? The rewind button, because I think that's what we all really need. And, and so to, to get us caught up uh, you know, and, and by the way, if you, if you weren't here last week as Shay kicked off this series, uh, I would encourage you to go to Grumlaw.com messages and get caught up. And maybe maybe like myself, you're someone, uh, or maybe you have a friend who's got a really big mouth. Uh, you're probably going to need this whole series. So again, you can go to Grumlaw.com slash messages, or you can go to Grumlaw Church anywhere you grab your podcast. So where we left off last week, and, and to kind of review, it was this. It's... Quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. And so what I would love all of us to do right now is all of us all together, we're gonna review this. Quick to listen, slow to speak. So let's all say it together. So, so quick to listen, slow to speak. And may, maybe you're listening to this on a Tuesday morning commute, driving into work. Let's, let's all say this together out loud, ready? Quick to listen, slow to speak. And last week, Shay even introduced us with some hand motions to help us remember, right? If you guys remember this, maybe you've been practicing this all week. It's quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. And, and, and the reason why it's so important for us to remember that, that our hands are like this is because when we get into those, those heated discussions that turn into arguments that, that you know, we, we don't keep our hands like this, do we? No, when, when we get into those arguments, our, our hands tend to close. We start doing this. And, and then as our hands close, our hearts close, our minds close, and our ears close. Be, because the reality is like you want exactly what the person who won't stop talking wants, <laughs> right? right? And, and so because of that, we've, we've learned these, we've developed these, these new habits. And so, so that's why this morning in this, this series, it's quick to listen and slow to speak. We wanna, we wanna open our hands, we wanna open our ears, we wanna open our minds so that, so that we might be able to, to hear what people are saying. Because we want to be heard, because we want to be understood. And so picking up where we left off last week, as you know, words are powerful. Words are extraordinarily powerful. In fact, in fact, your life has been shaped. By words, you know, from from your earliest childhood experiences, you've been shaped by the words that have been spoken over you or spoken to you. Your, your marriage has been shaped by words. Your, your confidence has been shaped by the words spoken to you or spoken over you. Some people who have extraordinarily like, high self-confidence, when they have a word spoken over them, it can, it can just crush them. They can lose all of their self-confidence. But, but the other way, like someone who maybe doesn't naturally have a lot of self-confidence, w- when they have pa- these powerful words spoken to them, they can all of a sudden have this incredibly high sense of confidence. But the thing that makes this like so fascinating and so difficult and so challenging is that the words that we receive like they 're not equally weighted in, in fact, like I mean just thinking about like how many more positive words does it take to overcome a, a negative or I, I remember. Uh, growing up, uh, anytime that I would say, and I'm the oldest of four, anytime that I would say, uh, something like negative or hurtful or discouraging to, to one of my siblings, uh, my parents would be like, okay, now Jason, you need to say four positive things to your brother or your sister. As so I'd be like, um, I like your hair and I like your nose and I like your toes and I like your clothes <laughs> as, if, as if that really helped. Right. And, and I know that there's like some scientific, like st- statistics that really help to, uh, Confirm this, but, but honestly, it really depends on what is said, it, it, and, and the truth is that it takes a whole lot more positive words to counter one single negative comment, and not only are all words not like weighted the same, the, the source isn't equally weighted either so so for me, as, as i 'm stepping into this role of, of lead pastor of Union church, like I know that for me as a boss, my words weigh like one hundred and fifty pounds, but but for you moms, I think you know this to be true, your words weigh like 500 pounds. And, and I, don't, I don't know why this is true, but, but for you dads, your words are like the heaviest and, and the hottest words. I, I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor at the first church that I was at, there was this, this young man who uh, was caught shoplifting. Uh, he had stolen a bunch of stuff from, from the local meyer and his dad called me and, and asked me to have a conversation with him. And uh, I remember through the course of that conversation, he, he said something that just like struck a chord with me that I'll never forget. At the end of our conversation, he, he looked at me and said, like, Jason, I just wish my dad would punish me for something. I just want to know that he cares. Man, dad's like, be careful with your words. Your words mean the most. Your words weigh the most. And per- perhaps the most like overlooked part of this dynamic is that the the recovery time isn't isn't the same either, right? It, it, recovery isn't equally weighted. Recovery takes. Time In, in fact, th- there's no one single word that you can say in the moment uh, of hurt that can overcome or reverse the effects of that negative comment. And th- that's why it's so ridiculous. Like, wh- when, and unfortunately, like, I-, I hear my kids say this a lot. I know, I- I've, probably, I know I've been guilty of doing this. But like, wh- when, you, when you say something hurtful and you come back with a, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. That doesn't, in that moment, immediately negate and make everything better because the recovery time, uh, it's not the same depending on what is being said. I, I think in the same way, like you think about it like this, like if I were to accidentally like slam your hand in my car door and now your fingers are all mangled in the car door and I come and open up that door and help you like pry your fingers out of the door and, and my, my immediate response is, oh my goodness, Like I am so sorry, I can't believe that I did that. Like, we're not square. We're not even like things aren't okay. Like we got to take you to the emergency room because you probably got some like broken fingers or something. Our words, the things that we say that hurt other people, like there's nothing that you can immediately say that, that is gonna make things better because they're not equally weighted. And so quick to listen and slow to speak, quick to listen and slow to speak. Guys, our words are the most powerful thing that we have. So, so you, can, you, can do, you can do so much damage with the words that come out of your mouth. You can actually do more damage with your words than any other part of your body. I mean, think of it. You can, you can destroy a person's life with your words and not even be in the same room as them. And so this morning, we're gonna, we're gonna take a look at this passage from James, James chapter three. Now, what's so fascinating about, about James is James is the brother of Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, man, okay, so Jesus, he claimed to be God. And I don't know about you, but like, It would take a lot for my brother, if he started claiming to be God, it would take a lot for him to convince me that what he was saying was in fact true. Like, I don't know that there's anything, well, there's one thing. It's the same thing that convinced James, who at one point didn't believe, and then he did. It was the fact that his brother Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection, and then he pulled it off. And so it's so fascinating what, what James says is he writes this letter to the, the first century Christians and, and James has a lot of things to say about the power of words. It, in fact, I'm convinced of this, that, that your greatest relational regret, maybe even your greatest regret of your entire life could have been avoided. If you had simply taken head up, oh, uh, taken heated up, no, uh, if you had simply, t- thanks Michael, taken heed of uh, your words. If you had simply taken heed of these extraordinary words, the, these words that are free, the, these words, I mean, these words are everywhere. They, they've been sitting on your grandma's coffee table forever, and then she gave them to, to your mama, and they've been sitting on your mama's coffee table. If you got a phone in your pocket, man, these words are in your pocket. These words are everywhere. They're all over the internet, and, and if you had simply embraced these simple words that we're going to look at today, you would have avoided your greatest relational regret. And if this morning, if you you will be willing to listen, to lean in to what we're going to look at this morning, I mean, think about how many relational regrets you will be able to avoid because of these powerful words. All right, so here's how he begins. And this is true regardless of your like religious or political or cultural or economic background. These words are just simply true. James chapter three, we're gonna start in verse two. We all stumble in many ways. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, like you can even like elbow your neighbor because it's true. We all stumble in many ways. And And then it goes on, and says, Anyone who is never at fault in in what they say is perfect and they're able to keep their whole body in check. So I mean, it's a simple idea, right? That if you gain control of your mouth, then then everything else about your life, your conduct, uh, the way you interact with other people, like you're good, you're good. All right, James, so let's, like, g- give us a couple examples, like, like convince us of this. Uh, so James goes and says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses. Now, now this is definitely, like, a, a first century illustration because this is, like, really their only mode of transportation. And I don't know if you've ever, I've never put a bit into the mouth of a horse. But as a kid, like, I have ridden horses a couple times. But he says this, when you put bits into the mouths of horses... And he continues, he says, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, I remember one time when I was in eighth grade, uh, my family, we had moved to Mexico uh, and we went out for dinner one time and I don't think every restaurant in Mexico does this. You know, you got like dinner and a movie at some restaurants. This was dinner and a horseback ride. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why, I no idea, but at this particular restaurant, and so in eighth grade, myself and then my younger brother, Phil, and my youngest brother, as soon as we finished with dinner, we were like, hey, let's go for a horseback ride. Mom, dad, you cool with that? Yeah, let's go. So we walk down there, we get on the horses and, uh, and so my, my youngest brother, Stephen, uh, is sitting on the, the lead horse and the guide has his reins and my brother and myself are following him and that was that guide's first mistake. So we, we, walk, we walk down the beach uh, in kind of this like enclosed area. We probably go, um, I, I don't know, s- several hundred yards. Uh, and then when we turn around, now keep in mind, my brother Stephen and the guide are in the lead horse, and they turn around, and there's only enough space really in this spot for only him to turn around. So Phil and I, who at this point are honestly kind of bored. I mean, seventh and eighth grade, riding a horse, walking for several hundred yards. I'm thinking you know where this one's going. So we turn around immediately, and now all of a sudden... I'm the lead dog, lead horse. And so uh, my dad had us watch, maybe forced us to watch enough John Wayne movies that we knew what we were supposed to do at this point. So my brother and I, we look at each other like, you ready? I'm ready. And we kicked those horses as hard as we possibly can. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't know that the bits in the horse's mouth had anything to do with turning the animals. And so, so we just start taking off and we're running and running and running. Um, and and you know, you're supposed to like, you know, tug on those reins to pull the to pull that bit in the horse's mouth to, to get them to turn one way or the other or then to stop. Um, I did find out there is one other way that you can get a horse to stop. You put a 12 foot cinder block wall in front of it, they will stop. It almost threw my brother and I off of the horse. We also almost fell off of the horse because we were laughing so hard. The guide, not so much, he wasn't laughing so much. But anyway, so this is, you control a horse by just that simple bit, um, and and, and then James goes on uh, and he says, or take ships as an example, right? Take ships as an example. Although they are so large and they're driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So it's this idea with both the, the bit in the horse's mouth and this like rudder on a ship. I mean, think about like the rudder on a ship, right? I mean, it's super small, a very small part and it has huge influence, right? It's, it's almost insignificant proportionally that these like these teeny little things, like the bit in the horse's mouth or the rudder on the ship, that, that they have extraordinary power to determine, to determine our, our destination and our direction. And then he says, likewise, the tongue. I th- think about your tongue. I mean, just think about it for a minute. Like in relation to the rest of your body, your tongue is arguably like the ugliest part of, of your body. It's also one of the smallest, right? I mean, it's only about like four inches long and it's mostly invisible. Let's, let's keep it mostly invisible, right? Uh, one one fun fact, th- this, is, this is for free. Your tongue has eight muscles in it uh, and those eight muscles, they never get tired, uh, and I know, as I said that, like none of you were surprised. Some of you were less surprised than others, right? Uh, and and James, James' point is this, that, that like a bit in a horse's mouth or a rudder on a ship, the tongue has extraordinary influence and power. He, he goes on, he uh, says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. I mean, our, our tongues, they control the direction and quality of our lives. I mean, they have so much power in our lives. But but in case you're still not convinced, James moves on and gives us other examples. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now, unfortunately, I also have experience lighting forests on fire. Uh, when, when I was a youth pastor, a lot of youth pastor stories, I don't know if God's given me illustrations through the dumb things I've done. Uh, so I took these four, uh, these four students who had been interning with me all year up to the Hiawatha National Forest. Uh, we were camping up through there, and then we we're going to go whitewater rafting over uh, near Iron Mountain in, in Wisconsin. And uh, man, we had just such a great trip planned. And that first night, we like stacked, the, stacked our hammocks and had every, I mean, everything was all set. There was a low risk of fire um, and, and, and we, knew, we knew what to do, right? You, you pull back all the, the brush and all the dead stuff and dig a little hole and had our, had our fire pit going and uh, had a great dinner that night, got the fire going again in the morning for breakfast. And uh, after breakfast, I, I wanted to spend some time with each of the students and just, just really be encouraging them about what was going to happen, what their plans were after high school. And so I went for a walk with two of the students. The other two students stayed back uh, at the campsite. And, and on the way back, after about 30, 45 minutes, as, as, I'm, as I'm looking over the horizon, I see smoke billowing over the trees. And immediately I knew that we had set the entire forest on fire. And so, I mean, myself and those two students, I mean, we take off. And we're, we're like a, as fast as we can getting back there. We grab towels. And we start like trying to put the fire out, But we realize like these other two students, they, we had no idea where they went. And we were like probably two, three miles off the beaten path. Like there was really nowhere for them to go. And like my mind immediately started going in like the worst case scenarios. Only to find out that they had went back to their hammocks and they were sleeping while the forest was burning around them. Now fortunately, we had 911. They, they, we called them and they came and put the fire out. But man, like it is so crazy how like just a single, a single spark caught by just a gentle breeze, carried that spark and then lit the entire forest on fire. He goes on in verse six. He says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. I mean, your tongue has, has potential for, for endless evil. I mean, think about it. Like every single evil can, can be enacted, uh, initiated or enacted by the mouth. Like murders have have. Come about because of words that were spoken, like marriages have ended because of words. Even wars between countries because of your words. Verse six, he continues, "Is it corrupts the whole body? I mean, your your mouth is going to get your entire body in trouble. Like so, so as a parent, like we don't." We don't tell our kid's mouth to sit in timeout. No, 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 no. It's like we put the whole child in timeout, right? You don't ground a teenager's mouth. You ground the entire teenager. As a boss, like you, you don't fire somebody's mouth for running out of control. You, you fire the whole person. And, and as a teenager, right, you know, a, a, a student that's in school, like a school principal doesn't expel the mouth of a teenager or a student. expels the entire student. So it corrupts the whole body, sets, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. As your words go, so go your life. I mean, you, you have the potential to burn down relationships, to, to, to end friendships, your marriage, your career, even your entire future with your words. I mean, even standing up here uh, right now in front of all of you, like, I mean, before union even gets started, I could in this moment ruin everything with, my words. I mean some of us, some of us have like absolutely scorched those that we love the most with our words. We we've even scorched our own kids. And I, I, I know for myself there's been times where things have flown out of my mouth in haste and anger because I got worked up towards my kids and man, like it's it's heartbreaking as I think back about like how those words are gonna have an impact on my kids' life and I and mean, certainly make things right with my kids as quickly as I, I can. But like, it has an impact. I, I know I see that when I'm, when I'm at Randall's Elementary School. Myself and two other uh, guys from our launch team, we go there uh, during and play, play with these kids during recess. And, and it's heartbreaking to see how many of these kids, uh, their, their parents, their guardians, whoever's like, taking care of them, like, how many of them have just been absolutely scorched over and over and over again by words, by those that are supposed to love them the most, that have just torn them down by their words. And I know for myself, and I'm sure it's for others too, like like when I'm confronted because of the words that have come out of my mouth, my natural tendency, and and maybe it's others too, but at least for me, my natural tendency is to defend myself, right? Like I've said something wrong and I get confronted and I defend myself, but the problem is I do that with my words, right? It's it's just saying like, well, I, I was just being honest or, or I, I was just so mad, or, or, or I was just so worked up, or man, I, I just got so drunk, I have no idea what I, I said. Guys, if you accidentally start a fire, you're still responsible for the fire you started. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. <laughs> now, now the reference to hell here is, is like that, that hell, is, it's a source of evil. Not a destination in this particular case, but it's the source of evil. It means one of the attributes of the devil himself. But, but James is still not done. He goes on in verse seven. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Now he's talking here about like, us as the, the human race. We've subdued animals, not necessarily domesticated all of these animals, but, but the human race is no longer threatened by the animal kingdom. He continues, he says, but no human being can tame the tongue. So the idea of can tame the tongue, like it's, it's just not something that we can do. We're not capable of taming our tongue, which means then if we're not capable, we have to guard our tongue. We gotta set parameters up and, and ensure that our, our tongue doesn't get out of control. We, we have to be quick to listen and slow to speak verse 8 it said it's a restless evil it's full of deadly poison I mean like I mean he just goes on He's like, it's volatile right your tongue is volatile it, it should include a warning label right because at any minute like I could just tear everything down he continues providing even more illustrations of this he says with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness he says, out of, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Uh, I mean, his audience who knew the answer to all these questions would have would have answered with a resounding no, it's not possible. And so, in that sense, like our tongue, is kind of miraculous that this can happen. And verse 12. My brothers and sisters. Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I mean, there is something that is like so uniquely terrible and disturbing, something so wrong about our mouths. And where James goes next, it's kind of shocking, if if not already. The end. He's just done. Like, are you kidding? Like, he, he finishes with no suggestions, no like helpful hints about what we're supposed to do with their tongue. He doesn't provide like some like quippy sense of like hope and you do this and we're good. No, it's like, it's like he throws us under the bus, drives over us, backs up and goes over us again. Like, James, this is, this is pretty harsh. But his point is that there is no once and for all solution. James, he he wants us to to understand the gravity of what we're dealing with. And so this morning, I want to give you three words, three words. Remember, surrender, and confess. Remember, I mean, just guys, remember the power of your words. You are a very powerful person because you can wield the most powerful weapon on the planet, your words guys remember that every single time you open your mouth especially when you're angry especially when you're like frustrated and all worked up and you have a tendency to do this at, at any moment you you have the potential for incredible good but also for incredible evil so remember that the second word is surrender surrender Surrender, and, and it comes from this this idea that, that some of us we 've been scorched by other people, and so because of that've we 've developed these like terrible habits and, and guys we we need to focus on on surrendering surrendering this 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 weapon to our heavenly father and, and next week we 're going to focus a little bit more on exactly how to do that but but this morning, I, I want to provide just an invitation for you a, a place for us to start surrendering our mouths and our words. And so, so here's where I want us to start. And, and you, you might be the type of a person that like prays every morning or you might never pray. Praying is just simply like talking honestly with God and, and, and a simple prayer that, that kind of gets right to the heart of what James is talking about. Like, like what, what if you were to pray this prayer every single morning this week? Maybe every single morning for the rest of your lives. Here it is. Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Guys, I I hope that this morning that that you never forget that 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 God wants us to address him as our heavenly Father. And maybe for some of you this morning you you had just such an awful example of a father and that that just like brings up these these hurtful emotions. Well, I want to remind you this morning that your Father in heaven is kind, and He loves you. He is for you. So, so can we can we all say this together? Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. What, what if you were to pray that like every single day? One, one more time. Ready. Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And and now you you may not be the type of a person that that prays very much, but but here's what I know about you. That you want the people that you're around the most, you want them to pray this prayer. So, So this week, just this week, would you commit to joining them in praying this? So remember, surrender, and then the third word, confess this word confess, like it's this idea that, that when we mess up, and I mean, it's not like an if you're going to mess up, it's when you mess up. I mean, James is pretty stinking clear about that. And, and you might be thinking, oh, like Jason, like I've been, I've been a Jesus follower for such a long time, or I have so much self-control, I've graduated beyond this. Like, uh, no, no, no. There is no graduating beyond this. Like James is super, super clear about this. You, you, you manage it, you guard it. But when those words come flying out of your mouth, would you, would you immediately confess? Confess that that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Will you please forgive me? Guys, guys don't, don't explain it. Don't make excuses. Come on, stop stop making excuses for the words that come out of your mouth. Guys, just, just own them, own them. Own the scorching, scorching sarcasm that's like become a habit in your life. Cut it out, cut it out. Let's break that habit. Let's break that habit. Dads, as I said earlier, like our words are the hottest and the heaviest. Like They, they carry the most weight. Remember that. Surrender and confess. <laughs> men, let's, let's lead the charge in this way. Come on, men, let's go. Let's go. Let's honor women with your words. The women in your life, the, the woman you're married to, the women at your work. Any any woman that you come in contact with, just decide right here and now that I'm gonna honor women with my words. Whether they're there in your presence or not, I'm gonna honor women with my words. Guys, man, that's the world you wanna live in, right? I mean, that's the world that you want your daughters and your granddaughters to grow up in. And so let's, let's, let's do that. Let's be quick to listen and slow to speak. One last thing. For for some of you, you you grew up in a home. You grew up in an environment where where you were scorched over and over and over and over again. And, and I would say that it would be a temptation, but but I, I think that that you you're you're really you're really just gonna be inclined to repeat that cycle. And so would you just in this moment, would you right now just commit to breaking that cycle. You're, you're, you're going to be inclined to, you may have already heard like things come flying out of your mouth, things that you heard from your, your mom or your dad or your grandpa or, or someone in your life and that it just so deeply hurt you. And, and, and you might be thinking like, where did that even come from? Huh. So remember what James said, not, now we know. Guys, if that was you, like don't, don't repeat that cycle. For the sake of the next generation, break that cycle because words are powerful. Words are so powerful. And as we're gonna see next week, these words, they have extraordinary power for unlimited good as well as for evil. So here's what James says. And I know that this is a little bit of a downer to close, but but the idea is like your your mouth, it cannot be tamed, not fully and finally tamed, but it can be guarded. It can be guarded. And by God's grace and some thoughtfulness, (laughs) we, we, we can get this under control. So Be quick to listen. And slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to speak. Can't wait to see you guys next week. Let's pray.